Welcome to Step 1 Success Stories by Physio, Episode 6. But if I'm going to really learn something and really know something, I need to be able to kind of take it, resynthesize it, and be able to like put it down in my own way. You're listening to Step 1 Success Stories by Physio, the playbook of those who dominated the USMLE. If you want to learn how to excel on Step 1 and get into the residency of your choice, then you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join the thousands of others who have mastered step one concepts using physio.com. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. Today we interview a fourth year medical student named Gwyn Dunn. And to help me with this interview, I'm here with my co-host, Rhett Thompson. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good. Yeah, things are pretty good right now. Right now I'm introducing Cyrus to comic books. Actually, I introduced him a while ago and now he's just obsessed with comic books. He's five years old and already really, uh, you know, taking after his nerdy father. And, you know, I've got like a hundred, hundred or more like comics in that one of those big nerd boxes. <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> nerd if box, huh? If you're, uh, if you <laughs> were into comic books and you'd know what I was talking about, just like this big, long, <laughs> you know, a big size uh, comic book container. And Cyrus, you'd think that I would give him all my comic books, but in the interest of trying to help him like build his own collection and obtain some independence of we uh, made him earn money to go and buy a small box to fit the the handful of comic books he's got. And now uh, he's building up quite a collection. I just counted him. He's got like 13. Anyways, I'm impressed with the guy. He's like bought them all by himself. Dang. Yeah. That, that's pretty cool. What's, what's the best one that he likes right now or his favorite one? Anything about Venom. He's got a lot of Venom comics. Like half of them are Venom. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, cool. Let's introduce our guest for today. Uh, as I mentioned a minute ago, her name is Gwyn Dunn. She is from Utah, and she is going to the University of Utah School of Medicine. And she just matched into internal medicine at the University of Utah. So Utah, Utah, Utah. And this interview is pretty interesting because her husband is an MD-PhD student. So they both attended the University of Utah, or they both are, I guess. And it was super important for her to stay here just because she didn't want to be away from her husband for so long. So, you know, talking about that and her step one experience and how it ultimately helped her match here at the University of Utah, which was her first choice, was pretty interesting and pretty unique. So with that, let's bring her on the show. Well, welcome to the show, Gwen. We're super excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's start from the beginning. Maybe you could just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you got interested in medicine. Sure. I'm born and raised Salt Lake City. I kind of had always, I think, thought about medicine as a career. My father was a physician, so it always kind of, you know, been in the background, but definitely had other interests. Kind of went to college, I think kind of kind of pretty classic pre-med, really liked science, liked working with people, kept thinking about it. I started working more kind of with some women's health type issues and that really kind of solidified my desire to go into medicine and kind of pursue that more seriously. Um, so kind of volunteered with some different groups with that and then ended up coming to the U. Um, I guess I did my undergrad in Tacoma, Washington at a small liberal arts school um, and then came back to Salt Lake for medical school. Awesome. You got into the University of Utah. I did. Yeah. Uh, was that where you wanted to go or did you apply for a bunch of other schools? It was. And, you know, I actually, I applied to some schools and I actually didn't get in the first year, which was pretty devastating 
to be honest. I think, you know, I had good grades and good scores and kind of, you know, told everyone like, oh, it's really hard to get in medical school. I'm not sure I'll get in. But if I'm being honest with myself, like I really thought I would get in. So that, that was hard. Reapplied, kind of reinvested myself, um, kind of a lot. I did a lot more kind of community engagement type things. And it, it ended up being, it was kind of a one-year gap sort of thing. And it actually was valuable. Like, I don't just say that. <laughs> it was like really good. And then reapplied. Um, I ended up getting into the U early in the cycle the second time and then basically canceled my other interviews because um, I knew I wanted to come here. Yeah, that would be tough. Uh, I know I know a lot of people experience that. Yeah. What did you do during that time to kind of strengthen maybe your application and feel like you had a better shot the following year? I definitely, I felt like I had not shown any, like a commitment to my community. And um, so I tried to really reinvest in that. Um, I moved back from Seattle. I was working here. I continued some undergraduate research I had done at the University of Utah, kept working on that, got a job to pay for things. And then I volunteered at the Rape Recovery Center. I was a crisis line worker for them. And then probably my favorite thing, I volunteered through Planned Parenthood at the county jail where I taught sex ed. And that was one of the best experiences I've ever had. So, so rewarding and fun and fascinating. And, you know, I grew up in a very kind of conservative household and being in the county jail talking about sex ed um, (laughs) with women was like really eye-opening and super fun. And I learned a lot from them. So it it ended up being a good year and it definitely, it was a really good growing experience. And I think it was one of the first like, you know, quote unquote failures I had really experienced not getting in. And um, I don't know if you would call it failure, but that was how it felt at the time. And, And I think that's good for you. I don't know. I, feel like I learned a lot and that my entire identity didn't need to be succeeding in every little thing or wrapped up in maybe medicine. So I all in all think it was really good for me. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. It's hard having, you know, situations like that where you get an unexpected setback, especially where you just invest so much, you know, into just getting into medical school and, and you put a lot out there. And then you even made reference to, you know, talking to your friends and family and you know, people are like waiting on bated breath to see like, and then you feel- Absolutely. And like, oh, of course you get in. Of course you'll get in. Yeah. And you don't get in. And it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. But that's really cool. And, and, a, and a, a cool, you know, triumphant return. You know, you came back better than ever. And, you know, what's cool is uh, all these crazy things. We, uh, me and Michael get the chance to meet we, meet you and had uh, been able to do, you know, clerkships together. And so uh, it's- uh, Things work out. And uh, not that yeah. uh, you having met Michael is like this uh, pinnacle reward, you know, on uh, crowning your... What? <laughs> yeah, it is. What are you talking about? Like, now because <laughs> you're off. You, uh, you got the glory, <laughs> the glorious opportunity to meet us. But but no, it really has been a pleasure for me and Michael to, to work with you. And that's why we wanted to um, invite you on this show and and get some of your insights. So yeah, that, that, sounds, uh, that sounds like a lot of really good experiences. Maybe you could just kind of tell us how those experiences impacted you once you got into medical school? I think I definitely started the year, I had a large kind of fear or, I don't know, maybe complex about, you know, I didn't get in. Am I good enough to be here? Am I, like, is this going to work for me? Um, And I was really worried that was going to kind of take up a large part of my year. And that really didn't end up mattering at all. Like you start medical school and there was no you know, hierarchy. I don't know that anyone necessarily would have known or not known that I hadn't gotten in the first year. And it, you know, pretty quickly became apparent that I 
could do medical school and it was going to be just fine. Um, so it was something I think I spent a lot of time worrying about before school started and just ended up being totally okay. And a lot of the things I think did, I think really informed what I wanted to be involved with and how I wanted medical school to be. I think I kind of reflected back on my pre-med years and thought that I had maybe jumped through some hoops because I thought that's, you know, what I needed to do to get into medical school and taking some time in my year off to like really do things that I really cared about and really wanted to do made me think about medical school as, you know, I want to be involved with things that I really care about and I don't really want to do things um, just to do them or to check a box or to impress someone. So in terms of things I was doing outside of school, that I think was really helpful to me. And I became involved with things that I strictly thought were important and that I wanted to do. Um, And then in terms of school itself and studying, it ended up being pretty similar to like undergrad. I had, I've always done reasonably well academically. um, And so I think I definitely came in kind of fearing that things were going to be too hard or I wasn't going to be able to do it. And once things got started, um, I realized that I, you know, was who I had been and could still study and take tests and do just fine. It's really interesting. I think a lot of people have similar feelings. You talked about kind of feeling inadequate, you know, during the first year. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny. I remember the first year just kind of sitting there, you know, like the, the first day sitting there in class, just kind of looking around me and thinking, holy cow, I am surrounded by a bunch of brainiacs and just felt like so intimidated. And I, and like, absolutely, <laughs> I think, I think after a few weeks, you know, we started interacting more as classmates and everyone kind of shared a similar sentiment. It felt like the first couple of weeks of school, nobody was really asking questions. Uh, everyone was just kind of like, Oh, every, I guess everyone else knows this. So <laughs> I'm not going to raise my hand. I think everyone feels that way, you know, regardless of whether or not you got in on your first attempt or your 10th attempt, you know, just medical students in general tend to be a very bright group of people. But at at the same time, they tend to be a very, uh, I don't know what the best word is, like supportive group of people. And they're not really trying to, I think you're right. Yeah. Trying to just like, you know, sabotage your learning experience or anything like that. So I totally agree with you there. And what, what made you kind of overcome that feeling? I think it was spending more time with people and gaining some confidence in, you know, definitely spending the first few small groups kind of saying as little as possible because no one ever wants to feel stupid or sound stupid, but working hard and sitting there and realizing, no, I, I do know this and I can contribute to this. And um, then having, you know, success from that, I think made me feel more confident. And then the more time has gone on and medical school has gone on, that has really kind of fallen from my mind even I kind of forgot about it, I guess until we were even talking about this um because you know at some point you just start doing well and you gain some yeah. confidence in that way yeah and I think it's interesting that over time where you get to know some of your classmates and you you stop thinking about them as just being these you know you think they're intelligent obviously but but they're not like looking down on you and you start to relate to them and they are in a very similar situation and almost everybody feels the same way. It's uh, so that that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Gwen. So once you got past that feeling and you know, you kind of started getting situated a little bit with the first year of medical school, how did that go for you in general? Like uh, maybe just walk us through your experience with studying and just the general feeling after a few months. Sure. Yeah. I think 
probably a lot of medical students have experienced this, but you kind of start the first year and at least at our school, a lot of the upperclassmen, you know, we do these little like meet and greets where you talk to people about how to study and what resources you should be using. And everyone has a lot of opinions and they love to share those. And there's all these resources. You know, I went to a small liberal arts school. My teachers wrote on chalkboards. And so I definitely had not used a lot of these products and you kind of get there and it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess I need to kind of throw out literally everything I've been doing and I need to start using this thing called Anki and I need to purchase XYZ product and I'm just going to do all of these things. And so I definitely fell into that. Um, And so everything that I had been doing that had been very successful for me, it was like, oh, well, that's not going to work anymore because I'm in medical school now and these people are telling me I need to do these things. So I just started studying like totally differently using all of these different products. And my first test went horribly, like really poorly for me. And I felt devastated because I had studied so much. And, you know, it kind of was reconfirming fears that I wasn't smart enough to be there. Um, And so I eventually kind of threw all that new stuff out the window and went back to what I had been doing all through undergrad. Um, Obviously tweaked a little because, you know, medical school is different and there's definitely a fire hose of knowledge. But I was always someone who had kind of handwritten outlines and it was kind of the process of thinking through outlines and writing them down that I found less than the outline itself that I found really helpful and would help with things. And I went back to that. I had a lot of handwritten notes for the first few years. I would, I would use some products like flashcards, I think are great. And there's just so many flashcards that I would use products like Anki for some flashcards, for some types of things, but really went back to a lot of what I had previously done. And that was very much more successful for me. Um, and so I think that's something I liked um, to tell kind of incoming students is, listen and take advice and but take it all with a grain of salt and remember that you did a lot of work to get here and you know how to study and um you know what works for you and don't just assume because someone's been in medical school for one year that they know better about what you should be doing yeah that's a good point and i think a lot of people you know myself included just you know you throw a lot out the window because you're you're intimidated already and then anybody with the smallest amount of authority um, which is upperclassmen, you know, they're like, yeah. you need to do this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally will. <laughs> I'll do that. Exactly. And, uh, and a lot of, you know, like you say, you gotta, you gotta listen to it, take it all in and then, you know, parse out what you need, um, and what's useful to you. And, and it sounds like you, you really delved deep into that. Like you dove in and got, you know, followed the advice that you were given, but then you, you kind of, stepped off the gas, I guess, in, in some of those, the, the advice. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned products, one of which was Anki. Were there other, one of which was Anki. <laughs> were there other uh, products that you used that you ended up not using? Later? I tried, um, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm like feeling old now. Um, I've like forgotten all the names. There was one like mind map or something. Does it that sound ring a bell? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. That, I tried that for like a minute. Um, I did Memorang. I tried, um, you know, I had always had paper textbooks, and I tried doing everything on my iPad. But our school administered, you know, iPads to people to use for the first couple of years. What else? That was that was most of it. I kind of you know went all out with those things. But a lot of these like electronic products, where I had spent my entire education to date using more kind of thinking about things, making my own outlines. And so those didn't really work for me. (laughs) I went back for thinking things. I think just for me personally, 
when things are just handed to me, especially other people's flashcards or things like that, my brain just doesn't work well enough to like learn those. And for me, it's more, I have to take something that's been written kind of out of a textbook and be able to rephrase it or rethink of it in my own way, in my own outline or in my own flashcard for me to really process that information and be able to recall it later. Um, and maybe I can memorize something for, you know, cram some embryology before an exam really quickly based on things like that. Um, but if I'm going to really learn something and really know something, I need to be able to kind of take it resynthesize it and be able to like put it down in my own way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that really speaks to the fact that, you know, everyone has a unique learning style and you need to figure that out early in medical school if you haven't already by then. And then stick with your point with your guns, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's tempting because you see everyone around you using all these different products and it's like, oh, maybe I should be using that one and that one or that oh, one. it's so anxiety yeah. provoking. <laughs> exactly. What am I missing out on and what should I be doing? But you kind of, yeah, you got to stick to your guns a little bit. Yeah. So did you continue just kind of sticking with that methodology of learning? You kind of resynthesize your own information on, on outlines and, and that worked well for you for the first two years? That was my main mode for the first two years. Um, and then I guess the, the way in which that changed mostly was I did not try to like, normally for classes and exams um, on our coursework, I would try to, I would do a lot of outlines. I would want to make sure I had covered all the information and really think about that. And I did not think that was going to be sustainable for step one and that I would get, I was worried. So I didn't even try that, but I thought I would kind of get lost in the weeds of like, oh, I'm going to like outline every organ system <laughs> like for, you know, all of step one. And when really like, that's probably not, I didn't think that was going to be the most like high yield or best way to do that. And so kind of coming into step one, I had done that and that's, I felt like I had a really grasp of that knowledge. And then when I kind of transitioned to more, you know, quote unquote, dedicated study time, um, I went to a lot more question-based format where I mostly just did a ton of questions. And then sometimes if I felt like I kept missing a lot on a certain topic and I needed to like sit down and spend some more time with it, then I would sit down and again, kind of go back to something and resynthesize and make an outline. But I definitely didn't try to like recover everything for all of the first two years of medical school. Gotcha. So it sounds like then if I understand you right, for the first like year and a half or so you stuck to this, this plan. Is that right? Yeah. And and mostly for coursework and then kind of step one, I did that a little bit differently and, you know, use the knowledge I had gained, but for, Hey, I'm going to sit down and learn step one. I was definitely more of a question person. Okay. So you didn't really worry about step one then during the first like year and a half or so just focused on coursework. Is that right? No, I, I'm one of those. I'm one of those. I definitely focused way more on coursework. Um, I felt that if I really got the knowledge, um, I would be okay. And that, you know, memorizing. So for instance, at our school, we did, um, host and defense or, you know, bugs and drugs early in the first year. And I didn't think, you know, necessarily memorizing X, Y, Z was going to last me a whole year. So I decided to just run with it and try to learn it as best I could for the course, keeping step one in mind, you know, I always had first aid open and thought about things like that, but I definitely didn't, you know, shun coursework in order to study for step one. Cause for me, I didn't think I would retain that for that long. And that worked well for me. When I came back to study those things for step one, I definitely didn't feel like I had neglected many areas in particular. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people actually do that. You know, they really focus on their coursework for the first like year and a half or so and then kind of transition yeah, into yeah. studying for step one. And it seems to work well for a lot of people. But I guess, you know, you just, again, got to find what works best for you. Yeah. So maybe you could walk us through then after your first like year and a half, once you got into dedicated, what that looked like, you know, what, what resources you were using and just like a typical day for you during dedicated. <laughs> 
Sure. Yeah. So let's see. I finished up one of our courses in kind of Christmas of the second year. And then it was, you know, we'd come back and it was January and I was going to take the test in May. And so we had one more course that I thought was really important and took a lot of work. And that was like the brain and behavior type course. So I definitely was still spending time on coursework, but that's when I started doing step one studying. And so for that block, I think it was like eight or nine weeks or something. Um, every day I made a commitment to do, I think it was like 10 questions and questions took me a long time because I, I would do them really slowly and um, go through like everything. I kept a spreadsheet where I would write down if I had gotten something wrong, I would write down like what exactly I had gotten wrong and why. And then if I needed to come back to that, and even if I had gotten something right, sometimes I would write that down too. Like if I had just guessed it, um, but I didn't really know it, then I would kind of put that in my own words. Okay. Like if I felt like that was good enough, then I, it was just the process of writing down. I thought that was good. But if it was like, Ooh, no, I really need to go back and like read about this, or maybe I'm going to watch like a sketchy micro video on it. Um, then I would tag that and I'd go back to it. So I would do those. And then I started using, I used um, Sketchy Micro. They did not have Sketchy. They were like, Sketchy Farm was just starting. I did use that. And they didn't have Sketchy Path yet. And Pathoma. I used Pathoma videos. And I used, there was a product, I don't know if it's still around, it's called Crampster. The thing where it like outlines all the videos you should do. Uh, yeah, Cram Fighter. Cram Fighter. Um, yeah, I used Cram Fighter to like, I just thought that was really nice. Um, I like schedules and I like making sure I'm checking all my boxes and there's like so many videos that I didn't want to sit down and make my own. And I liked that if you got behind, you could like reset it in the computer or I could set it so that, you know, I was never going to watch them on Saturdays or whatever. So I used that and I tried to get through all the sketchy micro and farm videos and all the path videos once before actual dedicated started. And then once again, after dedicated started, um, so I did kind of this combo of 10 questions a day and then some videos. Then once that harder course finished and we went into a slightly easier course, it was our skin, muscle, bone, and joint course. Then I started doing 40 questions a day and I only studied for my coursework on the weekends. So I would pretty much, much spend all of my time outside of class doing questions. Um, I started with RX for the first like few months and then transitioned to UWorld. Um, my goal was to get through UWorld twice. I think I, I got like a time and a half. So that was kind of what I did through the coursework area. Then once classes totally finished, I transitioned to, I would do 120 questions a day. Um, so like three of those 40 blocks. I always did tutor mode where you do one at a time just because like, I thought it was so much easier to like stay focused on like one question at a time rather than like doing a whole block and then having to go back and like go through it all. And I was really slow. So like I would go through them like really slowly. Um, my now husband um, was studying at the same time with me and he's like a lot faster at questions than I am. So we would study, we both studied, um, let's see, we did, we did 13 hours. We like, our general study period was 13 hours a day, but we would like take a break and work out and eat lunch and that. And he would do like way more questions than I would. And that was another one where it was like really in your face as to like what other people were doing. It was like my fiance. And I had to be like, okay, well, like that's what you're doing and you're doing that. I'm doing this and this is working for me. And so I would do, we we're early morning people. So we'd get up early in the morning I'd do two blocks of 40 questions that would take me like midday. We'd go like work out, have lunch, hang out for a little bit, and then go back to studying. And then we'd quit like at promptly 7 p.m. every day. Some days I would, I would, and I kept watching videos during that time. And then every few days I would take a break. And like if I noticed something that I was like really not getting, like nefertitides or something, I would like, take a few hours to like really try to learn that. Um, but I was like really religious about like always getting those questions in. And we, I would do that 13 hour 
120 questions thing six days a week. And then on Sundays, um, we would both take a practice exam and then we take the rest of the day off. That sounds okay. So, so you covered a lot of information. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. So <laughs> no, that's great. That's, that's really great. Sorry. So it sounds like kind of in January, you had started your brain and behavior course. Is that right? And yeah, I can do that slower. Okay. And you were doing about 10 questions a day and you're, you know, starting to use these other resources that were specific for step one around that time. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep, and, yep. Then, and then once that unit end was, was that like around March? That would or be so? like, yeah, that would be March. Okay. So then you bumped up, you bumped up your... Then I bumped up to 40 questions a day and I only did coursework, you know, like we had our exams on Mondays. And so I would study for that course on like Saturday, Sunday. Cause I was worried. I don't know if this is, I don't, like didn't want to like go through, I thought you world was going to be like the best questions. And so I didn't want to go through like all of them too quickly. So I started with RX. I don't remember how many questions I did with that, but I think I transitioned to UWorld kind of when I got into that easier course and was doing the 40 a day. It's, I think at some point I sat down and like looked at all the UWorld questions and was like, did some math as to like, oh, if I'm doing this many questions a day for this many days, how many times am I going to get through UWorld? And is that too much or too little? Gotcha. And I think I got through like a time and a half. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. And then dedicated, you were doing 120. That's a lot of questions every day. It was a lot of questions. So it sounds like the, the questions from the question bank is really what guided your study. Uh, is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. To me, questions felt like this really tangible set goal and that it was really active learning. And so having this goal of, you know, the beginning 10 and then 40 and then 120 questions a day, it was like, no matter what, either you did those questions or you didn't. So you can't just think you're learning something when you're not, um, as if you're kind of passively doing something, but you were really like kind of actively doing them. And then it was just this discreet, like, yes, I finished this. I accomplished this. I learned this much. And then I would use other resources to supplement that or fill my holes in knowledge. You know, I definitely really relied a lot on, you know, kind of sketchy or pathoma or and first aid and looking up things um but always having like no matter what i'm going to do these questions was really helpful to me awesome you know a lot of times at least i recall from my experience studying for step one i was always a little bit nervous that i wouldn't be able to know when to review certain items like how would i know when i'm like will i forget this later like, yeah and having and having that fear it sounds like you had I, I guess, without making any assumptions, how did you navigate that? Like, was that an issue for you? Or did you have any concerns in that way? I also worried about kind of forgetting information or um, that it wasn't going to stick with me, especially with a lot of those kind of more memorized type of things. You know, maybe you can figure out a startling curve, but you're not going to necessarily remember um, if something's oxidase positive. I don't even know if I'm using the right words. I've like forgotten all of these things. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I, I think I ended up watching, I like had some goal and this is what I used that cram fighter thing for. I think I watched all of the videos twice or something. And then, and then I let how I was doing on questions kind of guide me. Um, I think I'm someone who can easily get caught up in, oh, I didn't check every single box. And I kind of had to let that go and be like, you're going to get too lost in the weeds if you try to make sure that you've done everything X, Y, Z time. And so let how you're doing on these questions and what you feel good in and what the scores are telling you you're doing well in um, guide you. My dad actually told me, which I'm now remembering, was that people tend to study the things that they're better at more or first because you like doing better on it or it's just a subject that you enjoy. And so that was something I think I remember also trying to remember was 
don't get sucked into spending a bunch of time on something you're already really good at. Um, and if you have this topic where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so bad at this. I do not like this. Like start with that, get it over with, do it and kind of like face that. That's a really healthy mentality. And one of the many benefits of, of having a, an awesome, successful father physician to shed some light on that. And, yeah, uh, and, to your, <laughs> Absolutely. and to your credit, following that advice, I recall studying for step one, just being super robotic almost. And I, and I, I recall that being a detriment in, in many ways in, until I became more flexible. But it sounds like you were able to set these goals and you found what was the highest priority. And that was your questions like that seemed to be the thing that was most important for you. And then, and then letting yourself study the things that you need to, instead of thinking tomorrow, I'm going to do this, even though my questions dictate that, you know, they're telling me that I'm really bad at this subject. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to ignore that because <laughs> I've got a, a regimented <laughs> schedule that I need to follow. So after you did UWorld, you said you did it for like, several or most of the weekdays and then you took a week you took a day off but you said you also took a like a practice test towards the end of the week was that like a you yeah so i was that like a you world practice test okay mbme i did mbme gotcha and yeah maybe maybe talk us through that how did that go yeah mostly well um i think they're really important to do and to like get that stamina of doing that many in a row i remember you know so i'd been studying during the weeks and then i had my first week of dedicated and i distinctly remember that my first practice test was like basically unchanged from when i had done you know like, like before dedicated had started and i was just devastated it was like i have spent how many hours like doing this and i like didn't improve like this is like horrible like what is going to happen to me and I just, you know, it was like the worst day. Then got back on the horse, you know, kept studying all the next week. And my second one had jumped up like a ton. So then I, you know, had a lot more confidence. I was like, okay, like things are going to be okay. Things are going well. Um, and I thought they were really helpful. And then I did like taking the rest of the day off, you know, so we'd do them in the morning and then, you know, if they're what, three or four hours and then you'd have the rest of the day and we would just like hang out and not think about step one for like a minute. So I did that first one that didn't go well. And then I think I did two or three more. And they were going really well. Um, and so I, I think I did two more and both of those had gone up and I was actually above my target score. And so um, Jake was also my um, fiance, now husband, was also above his target score and he wanted to move his test date up. And I did not think it would be acceptable for him to take step one and me still to be studying and that I would just like, that would like not be okay with me. So I moved, we both, we picked a day where we could like both move our test dates up. So I think we were originally like, five and a half weeks from when we started dedicated and we got one that was more like, I think like exactly five weeks. So we both moved our test dates up and I was like feeling really good about it. And then the practice test I took, I think it was like on that Sunday and I was taking the test Friday. I did poorly on, um, and I like my score dropped a lot. And I, again, was just like freaking out, you know, like, what does this mean? I actually, I'm pretty sure I remember that it was form 19. Um, and I was just (laughs) totally wigged called, you know, the school advisor, should I move my test date back? Like, what do I do? And she kind of encouraged me to stay the course and things were going to be fine. And that was true. And my step score was, it was like, my step score was the highest score of all my practice tests and higher than my target. And so I guess another piece of advice is, you know, listen to your target scores or like your practice tests and think about them. And, you know, you do need to use that to guide what you're doing, but some of them aren't going to go as well as you like maybe think and don't like all is not lost. (laughs) Like, Don't totally freak out. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, I think that happens to actually quite a few people where... 
I think so too. I definitely heard that. Yeah, from you're others. like you're like crushing it. You're feeling pretty confident, and then you know, you take the one the week before, and it just kind of crushes your soul. <laughs> and you're like, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that yeah. confidence boost right before I go into the test. <laughs> Awesome. And then, like yeah. in a panic, you just start looking at all the forums. Like, hey, is uh, is form blank and blank? Is that reflective? Yes. <laughs> I had never. I had literally never done that. And I was on, you know, some Reddit thing, and I had like literally never done that in all of medical school. But I was like, I have to know. Like, am I going to fail? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, that's good to hear. You know, especially for all the listeners who are in those uh, shoes right now. <laughs> it's yeah. it's not all lost. Yeah. You'll do fine. You know, you mentioned that you were doing tutor mode in, in UWorld and that's uh, a lot of yes. times that goes against the, uh, you know, the advice that I remember hearing from, from upperclassmen, like always yeah. do timed, always do timed. And, and, and I know I did that a lot of the time, probably most of the time, but, but it sounds like your experience was a little bit different. Did you ever transition from tutor mode to timed mode for UWorld? I stayed in tutor mode the whole time. So I was, I had plenty of time on my practice and practice tests. I did, you know, like legit timed or whatever. And I never ran out of time. So I felt like, okay, I am doing okay on time. So therefore I don't need to spend my weekdays doing that. And for me, I just found tutor more like way much more enjoyable, like question, immediate feedback, learning something and like breaking it up in that way, instead of like answering all the questions and then like slogging through and going through all of them. I just found like heinous and I really didn't like. Um, so maybe it was just like a self-preservation thing, but because I was like doing okay on my timing on my practice tests, I felt okay about it. I was like, okay, I don't, this isn't something I personally need to work on a lot. Um, so I think I'm, I'm okay doing that. I think if you were constantly running out of time, then maybe it would be more beneficial to you to practice the timed ones more often. But if you tend to be a faster test taker and that's not an issue for you and you find tutor more, tutor mode, more enjoyable, I think that would be, it was fine for me at least. That's really good advice. I wish I would have listened to that uh, or, or, or even talked <laughs> to some of my classmates and found out that other people were doing that because I just kind of blindly assumed I was supposed to do, you know, 40 questions timed. And I, I probably would have benefited a little bit from doing it the way you did it. I feel like sometimes doing 40 questions timed random just makes you feel a little more anxious, maybe. It's like, oh, this is like a... Yeah, it like puts you in that yeah. test mode instead of like, oh, I'm learning stuff. I'm drinking my coffee. Exactly. Like, this is really exactly. good. So as I, but maybe that's good. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, know. I think as long as you have the timing down and you're mixing it in with MBME tests and maybe a few other time tests, it's probably, it's probably a very reasonable strategy. So I like it. Okay, good. <laughs> we approve of your strategy. It worked for you. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Two years ago now. Well, uh, as Rhett said, obviously step one went uh, very well for you. It sounds like you have matched successfully at your number one choice in internal medicine. Is that right? Yeah. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that experience before we let you go. Sure. About matching? Yeah. It was, it's, I don't know, actually. (laughs) The matching process and the interview process was actually maybe one of the more stressful processes I've gone through in medical school. It's just, it's different. You know, obviously it's not like studying for step one um, or taking big finals or even shelf exams. Um, But I think everyone talks about fourth year as this total cakewalk. And, you know, in many ways, like currently it is, you know, I'm between my art class and my wilderness life support class. So (laughs) certainly certainly parts of it are, you know, a cakewalk or whatever. But um, 
when you're working on your sebi, you know, that's all really intense, but really fun. And then, but the interview thing just brings up a lot of, um, I guess maybe some of those insecurities and similar to ones I felt about medical school about, oh, where am I getting interviews? Where are other people giving interviews? What does this mean? And, you know, I wanted to match here because my, um, for many reasons, but mostly because my partner is in the MD-PhD program and won't graduate for another four years um, and will be in his lab for another three. And so we were looking at the possibility of long distance. And I went to other places and I wanted to look and think about them critically, um, but I was always holding them up to the standard of here. And so I'd be there interviewing and trying to be excited about it. But it's like, oh, I don't want to live here. Um, away from my husband, but maybe I am kind of excited about this place. And, oh, actually, I really did like this place. And so the whole thing was kind of pretty stressful. But now that it's over, <laughs> it feels really good. And it was, it was another yet another growing process of learning to be confident in who you were and what you accomplished in medical school and feeling good about yourself and kind of thinking about what really matters to you and what your values are and thinking about your rank list in that way and what you want out of your residency training. Thanks for sharing that. That's really interesting. You know, you're in a very unique situation just because, uh, you know, like you said, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, your your partner is doing a PhD <laughs> program right now. So that puts a little bit of uh, stress on the whole process, I'm sure. A spin on things. Yeah. 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 Well, congratulations on matching. <laughs> Thank you so much. And uh, congratulations Thank on, you. you know, doing well on step one and medical school. And now you're going to be a doctor. That's awesome. I can't believe it. Time flies, man. <laughs> well, is there any other advice that you want to give to medical students? Like any, any last parting words for our listeners? I guess, I mean, this is so cliche, but coming at the end of my fourth year, I just cannot get over how fast it went. And so this sounds like something a grandma would say, but like really enjoying where you are. And it's like the last time where you could be a, pretty much exclusively a, a learner and you're, you know, on the wards and whatever, and certainly they're your patients and you're taking responsibility, but really your primary objective is to learn. Um, you're not getting paid. You're not, if you weren't there, the hospital would still move on. Not that you're not important, but you know, and so I think a lot of students think of that as a negative thing. Um, but it's really, it's like, it's this amazing time where you can be a little bit selfish because pretty much your entire purpose is to learn and to gain knowledge. And that's really cool. And so to kind of soak that in when you can and think about it in a way and like how you choose to think about things and how you choose to approach medical school, I think can really change how you end up feeling about it. It's great advice. Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much, yeah. Gwen. We uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you guys. It was a pleasure talking to you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Be sure to go to our website at physio.com to check out our growing library of free step one videos. You can also find our physio group on Facebook to join our growing community of students preparing for step one. If you've been enjoying the episodes and have been getting value from the content, here are three easy ways that you can support us. One, press the subscribe button on the platform you're listening to this on. Two, leave us a review. To do that, just go to physio.com slash podcast. Three, find your friends who are in medical school or interested in medical school and tell them about the podcast. Thanks for listening and join us next time.